sounds a lot better than last time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, can, we can tell there's obviously a little bit of delay in Discord, mm -hmm. but that could easily be edited out by me just synchronizing our count. Yeah. For the most part. Okay. Whew. Well. All right, so now we're both synced up. Yeah. Round two. <laughs> uh, okay. So now we're actually got our recording synced up and we can actually start this gibberish. Hi. Um, welcome to League of the Extraordinary Casuals. Uh, if you're the first time listening, which obviously you should be since this is the first episode. Um, <laughs> My name is Josh, a.k.a. Metal, and this is... Uh, I'm Brian. Uh, I just, yeah, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just Brian. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, some of us have alter egos in other places. Uh, <laughs> some of us don't. So this is a commander podcast for Magic the Gathering, but we are primarily a casual commander podcast hyphenating on improving casual environments and gameplay for enjoying the game, not just going balls deep and competitive and going, oh, I have a thousand dollars on the field turn two. But, yeah. <laughs> I have done that in casual games, though, so... <laughs> yeah, but it's different in casual because it doesn't yeah. mean you automatically win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, like, yeah. I'm Josh, I've played Magic uh, for roughly the full 25 years uh, of, of my life that it's been around. Uh, I started playing Commander roughly 2014. Um, I have developed over the years, and right now I'm primarily a mono-black player. Um, because it's just fun and I have lots of diverse strategies I can bounce in and out of. And I just like playing jank and mono black and bringing out weird strategies. Yeah, yeah, that's a, I'd say a pretty good description of you. Uh, I'm Brian. Uh, I've been collecting Magic the Gathering since around 2010, um, but I've been really playing since uh, 2014, 2013, uh, 20, 2014, 2015-ish. I'm more into a variety of decks. I've played, uh, including power level and archetypes, I've played upwards to the highest levels of CDH at the time, which is very different from what it is now, um, to decks I think that would struggle against a pre-con, and you'd have a hard time deciphering between somebody's first limited deck and uh, my commander deck. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, I mostly lean towards reanimator strategies, I've found. Um, just kind of naturally, and now I'm uh, excited to kind of talk about the place where I learned how to play Commander, which is what I've been playing since Oath of the Gatewatch, so I think that was 2016, so about uh, six years now. Well, will be six years this year. Right, and we're, we're both very, we say casual, but we mean that in the highest regard. Mm -hmm. And what that means to us is we play in a, an actual league where there's house rules implemented at our local game store for this league. And those limit, and, or rather prevent, 
uh, infinite combos, mass land destruction, uh, player lockouts, and well, that pretty much uh, is all that they say no to. Excessive extra turns. Yeah, yeah, excessive extra turns, but generally that's, you get one extra turn after your normal turn. Mm -hmm. But you can take extra turns in between other players' turns if you've got a way to do it. Yeah. But just you yourself can't take any number of extra turns yourself. Basically, this is player lockout. You're preventing other people from playing. Yeah. Or even if it was like um, just casting time stretch, which I think they're actually deliberating about, or they they were in the Discord uh, not too long ago. Yeah. I I think honestly. Yeah, we can get into that later. But that's mm-hmm. another great thing about our league is we communicate a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and our group. It's not just one person who passes down the law and doesn't have to deal with it himself or whatever. But we as a community uh, work on these rules and stuff. We only have one card that's actually banned. And <laughs> that is Brian's fault. <laughs> We're just going to say it. Yeah. And... Why don't you go ahead and explain how you got that card banned in our league? Just this is like an idea to show people how the democracy and the social contract really works for casual commanders. <laughs> so I, I won't take the full credit. Um, I was actually talking to a, a friend of mine now who only plays Warhammer, and he was kind of reminding me about it because I was talking about the podcast. And uh, we had uh, the league uh, now is open play. They'll just call games if there's four or if there's enough people for a game ready. Um, and you'll just play the games, and you'll do that until 9 o'clock when they stop calling games, but then you play till 10. But it used to be a uh, two- or three-round tournament for a little bit uh, with prize support based on how you placed. So uh, my friend built Narset, um, just good old-fashioned classic Narset, and I built Brago Stacks. And Brago is particularly one of the best cards with Stasis uh, because it basically Stasis just doesn't affect you outside of your lands if you have Brago in play, and it's hard to remove him once Stasis is put into play at a good time. Um, I believe that was back when Luby was running the league, so pretty early on. But yeah, I mean, it, it was it was probably fair. I think the league has gotten, the league and most of the players, like myself, has gotten a lot more casual since, uh, uh, it's become more of a not tournament style where there's no real uh, support for winning outside of that one prize ticket. Yeah, more of an on-demand environment, mm-hmm. you know. And so the way it happened is something degenerate appeared in our community mm-hmm. and it became a common uh, question or problem and... It was brought up and handled, and we as a community decided, or the majority of whoever was in charge at that time, said, okay, this is no more. Done. Because, mm-hmm. now, because I remember, Commander, while based entirely off of what the com- the committee, the rules committee put out, it's still a guideline. Yeah. So, if Commander's not thriving where you want to play or where your friends want to play make adjustments do things how you want to but make sure that everyone is on board and knows about it yeah because 
any changes you make impact everyone who plays and they need to know beforehand that's like that uh the pre-game discussion like hey what level of power are you playing and that sort of thing you know if you make rules for your lgs you're more than welcome to that's in the rules for commander and it's just everyone needs to know beforehand exactly you know now we've already touched a lot on the league well so we should actually explain a little bit more about the league it's it's not just commander it's Mm -hmm. not just pods rather not four people duking out randomly as you get four people who want to play there are different game types there are different game tiers and when you cut and it's not start at a specific time you know we start whenever you get there from this time to this time if you show up at halfway through and you want to play a game get a game uh just we have a person who takes the sleeves and tickets or whatever where different game types are listed ranging from uh two-headed giant which a lot of people are familiar with uh star assassin uh custom game types that get play tested in the in our league and and then there's different tiers ranging from uh strictly league games which are strictly casual to unrestricted to competitive yeah so if you come and you want to play competitive circle competitive choose that's what you want to play and then you will get paired with people who want to play that or are willing to Mm -hmm. you you never play a game you don't want to yeah, exactly. Until after the game when you're like, okay, I don't like that game type anymore. I'm not going to play it. <laughs> yeah. And what's great is in between rounds, you can also cross stuff off. So, like, maybe you wanted to try out uh, Emperor. Plane Chase. Yeah, Plane Chase. And you have dis- and you decide you don't like it, uh, you can cross it off, and then you'll know for the future. Um, I think that's really good, and I think it helps people, one, learn the kind of games they want to have, and two, also lets people who want to play those wacky formats that maybe... Uh, they don't get the chance to play as often because, like, playing Chase, you need the cards. Uh, what's it called? Emperor, you need six people, which is hard to do. Um, you get a chance to play Especially those six willing. Yeah. Six willing people. <laughs> yeah, actually, you might still be pressed to find an Emperor game at uh, the league. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Ooh, about lost to... Lost my throat there for a second. As I choked on the words for willing. (laughs) Yeah, because that's the thing is, if you don't want to play a game type, you don't have to play. Like, that's a big social contract we have, is that because you're playing in the league, doesn't mean you have to play league-only games. Doesn't mean you have to play the weird game types. If you want to only play competitive pods, boom, there you go. So literally, our casual environment thrives because we're not playing a tournament format. You're not sitting around waiting an hour for another game to finish because yours finished on turn two. Yep. <clears throat> literally, it's as soon as there's enough people to play a game type that you're willing to play, you're going to play a game. And you're only going to play a type that you want in the range of skill and or card quality that you want. And going from the original tournament mode to this has really increased our environment. And it's made it extremely fun for everybody. We 
have just as many new players every month as we do people who don't play anymore if not more new players yeah so it's very inviting it's very welcoming and it's very easy to get into uh because of the limitations on infinites and such that people can play what they want yeah like if you have a legendary or a character in magic that you like the most and you want that to be your commander fucking do it like it's a hundred percent possible in a league format like that and and any any lgs can adopt that kind of a system with their own modifications on house rules of course to say hey no infinites no mass land destruction have fun everybody (laughs) and then they will yeah it's it's it kind of feels like you're playing with your friends at your kitchen table where you know you don't at your kitchen table you don't have the hard and fast rules in the league we actually don't even have that many nowadays um but you know the play style it kind of brings that to random so you get to see new people's decks new faces meet people but still have that like for fun experience at the store which i think is super great i think a big part of that was not being a tournament format so even when you do get those feel bad matches it's you know it's over uh if it's a quick they just like went on turn three then you know it takes 10 minutes of your time and then you find another game or if it's like a long stall out game you know you can leave whenever you want get yeah. to another game yep you can because you know another you one's going to be ready as soon as as soon as it's ready yep you don't have to wait for the whole round to finish you're not forced to complete a game that you don't want to play in anymore mm-hmm. and that creates a very welcoming environment yes yeah. very much the difference between saying oh cool what does that card do that you're playing <laughs> and in another situation we're like oh god what does that do <laughs> yeah, that's you a know? great way to put it <laughs> And if you think about the different tiers that we're talking about, like the league, the unrestricted, and the competitive, well, we've already explained league and we've explained competitive. Now, we will explain unrestricted here in a second, but think of it this way, as, like he mentioned, kitchen table. League is very kitchen table, you know, a nice table, drinks, friendly, you know, everybody's enjoying what they're doing. Competitive is no i'll explain i'll give the unrestricted reference first because the icing on the cake is competitive the unrestricted is the next level of kitchen it's like cafeteria kitchen Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of shit going on and you aren't always going to like what's in the cafeteria but the competitive table is more like hell's kitchen where if you don't if it's not cooked exactly right you're going to have a bad time because somebody's going to call you a hand sandwich. <laughs> yeah. that, that's, that's the reason they're going to call you a ham sandwich. Right? <laughs> so, you know what competitive... Everybody pretty much should know what competitive is. It's like top-tier decks, end games turn two or three consistently, or four or whatever, mm-hmm. or lock people out, stacks, that kind of thing. And kitchen table... I hope everybody got to experience that and know what it is. It's the best part of magic is playing with your friends. It's yeah. a game. I think most now, people unrestricted have. is the median. It's where you're playing with your friends, but you're really you're not trying to go super infinite or whatever uh, really quick and end it. You're you're trying to really play a fierce game with your friends. Mm-hmm. So 
there's land destruction is not limited anymore in our unrestricted um you can do infinite but just you're not we're not we're talking don't bring that top tier shit to unrestricted yeah because it's it's really the median it's where you're trying out something that you think might eventually go competitive if you soup it up but it's definitely not at that level mm-hmm. it's uh like for instance i have quickly learned that i can play my current budget yogmoth in competitive it might win maybe 25 percent if i'm lucky um but it's very close to not being viable as an unrestricted table because it just does things it's not quick but if i make it quicker i shouldn't bring it to unrestricted yeah it's uh there's there's no rules in place for unrestricted basically our casual league has some hard rules that you have to follow for the game unrestricted doesn't like theoretically if you look at it from a rules standpoint it is the same as competitive but there's an expectation that you're going there with the um, idea in the mind. The social contract. Yeah, the social contract, and you're there to have a fun game of Magic. Well, you can, I, I shouldn't say a fun. You're there to have a casual game of Magic without those rules, versus going into competitive, I feel like you're there to play to win, and you still yeah. want to have a fun when you play competitive, I feel. I don't want to portray CDH players as heartless monsters. Right, but the thing is, is that if everybody goes to a competitive game mm-hmm. knowing that they're going to play a competitive game, hard cutthroat, you know, bottom line, get there, it improves the game for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you go into Unrestricted and you're like, you know, we got the social contract, it's not super hardcore, we are going to do some dirty shit to each other, but we're not doing it hard and fast, there's going to be some lube. Yeah, when I played uh, CDH, I often found that it wasn't fun to play my CDH deck when I'm not in a pod with people wanting to play CDH, because then it's just me winning the game. As it's like it's basically the same as goldfishing your deck, but playing a CDH deck in a pod with people who are also playing CDH decks—that's where like the intricacies of the format come out. And I think a lot of the reason why people have such a negative feel about CDH is because they n- haven't gotten a chance to really experience that and they've only been on the side of well I rolled up with my uh, dragon tribal deck with the Ur dragon and some guy won on turn three and then I lost one of my games for the night and I only get to play one more you know <clears throat> at least that's how I kind of feel about it I don't yeah, speaking of the difference between competitive and casual, um, how did you start in Commander? Which side of that coin did you start in? Def, definitely the casual side. Def, definitely I started uh, playing uh, with just a pile of cards from Fate Reforged and Cons of Tarkir. Um, and some of the sets before that. Um, my friend Hunter, who I brought up earlier, actually introduced me to the format. Um and, you know, from there I kind of started playing at the League more, but the League was on a Wednesday night only, and at the time I was a, uh, or I still am a student, but I was a student in uh, middle school, so I started uh, playing <clears throat> at the uh, Saturday event, which was CDH, so from there I got into CDH, so I think I delved more into CDH early, but I definitely started with Casual Commander, and then from there, I've, of course, 
lean far more to the casual side of Commander. Well, still dabbling in competitive, obviously. I, yeah. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I myself, uh, I kind of started on the opposite side of that coin. I was playing a lot of standard. Yeah. And, um, and I was just really, like, I didn't like 1v1s. It just always felt bad to me. Like, either I would fucking win, and I, I, but I would feel cheated out of my happiness and pride of winning because I just ruined somebody's fucking day, usually. And so I was like, multiplayer came up in conversation of standard. I'm like, well, that's cool. And then I saw people playing Commander on a Saturday when I came up to test for, for a PTQ. Mm. And I was like, that looks interesting. And so I looked up a pretty cheap Commander deck because, you know, all my money was invested in standard at the time. A new set just came out. Obviously, I got to buy hundreds of dollars of rares and lands. Um, so I ended up uh, buying a budget Micaiah deck, which at the time, the whole deck cost me $25, including Micaiah's. He was only like 15. He was 15 at the time. Yeah. And then I spent just as much uh, sleeving and deck boxing the deck. So... <laughs> All in all, I spent like 50 bucks to start playing competitive. And then there was, I, you know, apparently it was after the fact, you know, two weeks later, after I got all the stuff together, I went to go play competitive and like, there was only like four people there. Yeah. Apparently that weekend was a big weekend for EDH at our store or whatever, or CDH. And I was just, I got bored. I was like, there was nothing to do. I was playing the same game with the same people. And I was like, fuck, I just spent 50 bucks. You know, I want to play this a couple times and wasn't really getting to play. And uh, one of the other people that was up there not even playing that game was like, and we have more people that show up on Wednesdays to play casual commander. I'm like, what's what's the difference? And they're like, oh, we just don't do this stuff. And I'm like, I looked at my deck and I'm like, well, that's exactly what my deck does. I would have <laughs> to build a new deck. And... So I didn't necessarily get into casual right away, but I knew about it. And then Oath of the Gatewatch happened. Yeah. And I found in my release pack for Oath of the Gatewatch, my premium special card I got was General Tazri. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, this is freaking great. All these allies that I've been playing with in Standard or whatever before and now that I've had sitting around, they're super cheap. I'll build tribal allies. I didn't know it was going to be a super great deck later when other people threw in food chain and all the other bullshit. But anyways, uh, but I finally had something I could throw together. I and I took it up. And I showed up at league the next week, and I've pretty much been there every week I can ever since. Yeah, I, it's it's just something. If I couldn't imagine it being a Wednesday or a Friday and me having the option to go to league and saying no at this point. Yeah, I've turned down dates for League. <laughs> Sorry, um, lady. Just... I've got a hot date with Magic the Gathering at 5 p.m. sharp. Yeah, you know, sometimes you just need to have fun with friends. Yeah. And I've made so many friends. One date doesn't compare to hanging out with 20 to 25 of my of my buddies for like five hours. Oh, yeah. When no. All a date's going to be is me wasting another 50 bucks for another four hours of disappointment. <laughs> well, I think that's a little pessimistic view of, of dates, but... <laughs> I mean, you waste, like, maybe, if you're lucky, like, 20 bucks on dinner, and, 
like 30 bucks in a movie theater it's generally four hours disappointment if the movie sucks yeah. so gotcha. and that happens normally at least two to three times for one date one one person you're dating mm-hmm. at least that's seems like a, that's a time long gone but still you know you're going out to dinner and going to the movie theater josh I know I'm so old. It's it's 2022, uh, mate. You gotta get Disney Plus. I know, right? <laughs> Cry more, boomer. Uh, <laughs> and here I am. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a boomer. I'm born in '84. Uh, I'm a nerd. I watch anime. I play video games. I was around when AOL was still getting up, and I had the AOL uh, insert disc, you know, hanging from my rearview mirror. You know, back when CD players were still popular. Um, but I've never enjoyed anything as much as I've enjoyed League. Yeah. Because almost every game is different. It never is the same thing over and over. Unless you just never change your deck. But with the way the casual works, it doesn't take much to build a new casual deck. No, yeah, like, that's that's really smart. I mean, not uh, true. Not, well, it is smart, but... uh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can build one really super great competitive deck, but you're probably locked into that one deck for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Not to mention if it gets banned, because oh. that because that happens. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, Leobald, <clears throat> that well, felt bad. <laughs> I will say, luckily about competitive, a lot of the expensive cards are cards that are used in like every deck. You know, when I think expensive yeah. competitive, I'm like. Dual lands, Mox Diamond, uh, Force, Mana Drain, um, that kind of stuff, which, you know, you can just as switch over to any real competitive deck. <clears throat> this is true, but they also swap over to almost any casual deck. Yeah, I mean, I love me a turn one Mox Diamond. That is, ooh. I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> basically the same thing, thing as a turn one soul ring for most casual players mm-hmm. i mean it just improves the efficiency of your casual deck it's really about the strategy of your casual deck exactly because yeah turn one mox is great but in casual eh, it's you're not going for an infinite combo you're not going for a lockout you're not doing all those salt inducing things like you wouldn't competitive because you're trying to do something different. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> I'll do that. Like, you're trying to play Haunt of Hightower and just make everybody draw cards until they have to <laughs> discard so that your Hightower gets big enough to one-shot somebody. Like, you're trying to do silly shit like that. You yeah, know? It's a group hug deck. <laughs> you're drawing them cards. Yeah. Yeah. Hug. That's exactly what it does. Hug. Nice and close. Yeah, until I, you know, Dark Deal. What? <laughs> <laughs> I love that card. Dark but they're still so drawing cards. Uh, anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that's basically what casual means to us. You know, it's playing something different. Yeah. Well, Experimenting, enjoying the game, hanging out with friends. And, well, sometimes that requires a little bit of strategy. Mm-hmm. and planning and that's kind of what we built this are building this podcast around is 
Hey, this is how we're having fun. This is some of the silly shit we're doing. Or at some point, hey, here's one of our friends. Listen to this silly fuck and the things he's doing. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Like, but we shouldn't be spending all of our time stressing out about, oh man, is my $2,000 investment going to win or am I going to have to spend more to make it worth my time? Yeah. No. Well, you I- don't have to do that in casual. You buy a starter deck, you probably spend as much on the starter deck as you would, and go from there. Uh, give me just a second. Uh, we're going to do a pause, and I'll be right back. All right. It's the intent to play for uh, fun rather than to win. Um, or to play for fun over winning versus playing for winning over fun and competitive. But I think everybody's going to have a different definition, so I think it's that in your format you need to discuss with your friends if you're just going to play magic with your friends or with your community if you're going to play try to form a league or maybe you already have a league but you want to make it more casual what they think casual is you know yeah get everybody on the same page mm-hmm. communication uh casual for me um it that's really because i could honestly have almost fun with any commander game i'm playing but what casual means for me is that i don't have to optimize all my choices and my deck building and my lines of play i can go outside the box i can play subpar cards because i like the art or they fit thematically with my what i my game plan or <clears throat> i just want to play a bad card just to make people go what does that do <laughs> <laughs> yeah i uh i've definitely been there I, I, uh, this november i spent uh 250 on a card called Word of Command just so I could make AJ answer rules questions about it in the Discord. <laughs> yeah, silly shit like that. Like, um, I think one of my favorite what does that card do moments. Oh, this is a good. Hey, look, this is something we might do often. What does that card do? Um, yeah. So, mine, uh, you know what? You go ahead and explain your one that you were just talking about making AJ do rules questions. Word I'm going to find... Yeah, you explain your word of the command moment. I'm going to grab... I have to open up my chainer deck box to get this... Uh, what does that card do? <laughs> I've got to open up the gather page for the... Uh, <laughs> for the See, these kind of moments. This uh. is exactly what I'm talking about. When you can't even just say what the card does you have to look it up yourself like that's the thing that makes some casual fun because you get to play shit like this cards that not everybody knows cards you barely know and you're playing it josh you're the only person i've gotten to cast this card on and do anything with it and it was i know fuck you <laughs> and i mean i st- it still helped you it was the worst part i didn't get the full value um it's yeah didn't you didn't you take my guess no i didn't take your i can't if he cast a creature just cast them for him if you cast a spell, like, Time Warp says target, or I don't think Time Warp does. One of the extra turn, a couple of the extra turn spells, like, target player takes extra turn. So the dream is you, on their upkeep, word of command, make them spend five mana to give you an extra turn. That's the that's the dream for it. But, uh... <laughs> you basically make target player cast a spell they have. Yeah, uh, it's black-black for an instant. Uh, the art is... The artist basically just made... Colored the canvas black and drew two eyes on it um instead look at target opponent's hand and choose a card from it you control that player until word of the command finishes resolving 
notably, um, use this as an opportunity to like look at their hideaway stuff and whatnot. Um, the player plays that card if able. While doing so, the player can activate mana abilities only if they're from lands that player controls. Only if the mana they produce is spent to activate other mana abilities of lands that player controls and or to play that card. If the chosen card casts a spell, you control the player while that spell is resolving. So, I can cast Josh Long's Archfiend of Ifner from his hand, and he just casts it. It re enters the battlefield, resolves, he get, he casts it for free, but I chose to make him do that, and maybe he can't do other things. Or if they have, like, a Hero's Downfall, I can make them cast it on their own creature or somebody else's creature, because I control them when they're selecting targets. Um... It ignores timing, so I can make them cast sorceries on my t on their upkeep, which is probably the time you want to use the spell is during their upkeep. Um, or uh, there's uh, also now that you mentioned that, um, you you could ask somebody, hey, do you have an answer to that thing that's going on? And they're like, yeah, but it's a sorcery. You're like, not anymore. You know, <laughs> you could use that politically. It's like all of a sudden their board wipe becomes an instant. Yeah, that's a good point. I actually hadn't considered that. It's it's a very versatile old card. Um, it's expensive. Um, I, I use a lot of money for my birthday to get it, actually. Um, it's super cool. I, I love playing it. Any chance I can to force it, I will try to. Sadly, I've only cast it twice, and one time it was just black, black, look at target opponent's hand, and then the other time I cast Josh's Archfiend of Ifnir and his Chainer deck for him. So... Yeah. yeah. Group hug card. <laughs> yeah. And then I, like, discarded the rest of my hand. Um, <laughs> um, my what does that card do? Um, I had thought about another cool card that I could do for that, but I'll save that for later. Uh, but my what the fuck does that do <laughs> moment is Cauldron Dance. Cauldron Dance is so ca good. Cauldron Dance is a four, a black, and a red instant. Um, it was printed, printed, reprinted, I think, in one of the commander sets. Um, I could only cast it during combat. Now, that's where it gets mm -hmm. weird. It doesn't have to be my combat either. Um, really? So, it's just only during combat. That's so. I, so, I, I normally use it as a surprise. And once you hear what it does, it makes a lot more sense why you would normally use it on somebody else's combat. Unless you got tricks. Now, I return target creature card from my graveyard to the battlefield. That creature gains haste. Return it to my hand at the beginning of the next instep. I also put a may put a creature card from my hand onto the battlefield. Mm -hmm. That creature gains haste. Its controller sacrifices at the beginning of the next instep. <laughs> so, I normally hold it when I know I've got a really bomb-ass creature in my hand or graveyard. And another one in my hand or graveyard. Like... Or they killed my commander. I let my commander go to the graveyard. And then yeah. during combat, I bring my commander back into play from the graveyard, bring out a fatty from my hand, fuck him up during combat as a surprise. Uh, if they thought they were going to get through or whatever, I bring in a flyer out of nowhere. And then <laughs> at the end step, the commander goes to my hand, or whatever. And then the card that came from my hand goes to the graveyard. Yeah, that's... And it it's janky as fuck. <laughs> It's definitely it's a challenging funny. first time resolving it. Um. Yeah, it definitely causes people to go, what the fuck does that do? <laughs> and it just gets two blockers into play for a step. 
which is huge. I mean, or, or attackers. Or attackers in a combat. Yep. Or combo pieces. Like, because they stay until the end phase. Mm-hmm. So I could do it during combat, and if I've got mana left over, um, and I just brought my, let's say my Conrad, or I just brought a Conrad in to play for my graveyard. Or Balthor to the Filed. Yeah. <laughs> and then my next main set, I'm like, okay, activate it. Boom. Or cast Living Death. Boom. You know, get use out of those creatures. And then it returns to my hand, if it's still there. And the other one goes to the graveyard, if it's still in play. Yeah, I think what's so huge is it returns a creature from your graveyard to your hand. Like, because... In the long run, even if, yeah. In the long... Like, you send a creature to your graveyard, but, like, even if you're only doing it to get the creature from your graveyard to your hand for a bit, that's still, like, not awful. I mean, you get two creatures in play for a bit, you can use them in your sack... You can use one of them in your sack outlet, uh, get the creature back, you get to attack with them, or block with them. It's just, like, a lot of value packed into one card, which I think is really important in Commander, since it's essentially... Um, four different people playing 1v3s is to get the most value out of each card that you can. And and it's an instant, which a lot of cards that have somewhat similar resurrection effects are sorceries. Yeah. Now, they're, normal, they're normally just black and one, one or two mana less, but they're either sorceries or enchantments to get one creature back from your graveyard. Yeah, I Maybe. can only think of necromancy, which is... <clears throat> It, which can be played as an instant, but you don't get to keep the creature if you do. Yeah, and the, there's like a couple black cards I know of that for six for six mana, uh, I know there's a black card, six mana, but it's a sorcery where you get two creatures from your graveyard back into play. Uh, oh, it's from Eldritch Moon. It's like till death do us part, or together yeah, forever like or something else. Or, or victimize, where you sack one creature mm-hmm. to get two, but still a sorcery. Or is no? That's is that an instant? Or is that, that's a sorcery. Uh, which yeah. card? Uh, victimize. Victimize. It's a sorcery, and they enter tapped. Yeah, and they enter tapped, so you don't get any use. But also, it doesn't protect them by putting one back in your hand after. Yeah, it doesn't um, protect by putting back in your hand. Yeah, so that's my what the fuck does that do card? Because see, even now ever, we're already ever like after. shenanigans. <laughs> ever after, that's the one. Yeah. Also, yeah, a sorcery. Yeah. Which. Sometimes you just want to do weird shit not on your turn. Mm-hmm. Like, instant speed is so valuable in Commander. Uh, like, it, well, it's valuable in Standard and Modern, too. But just in Commander, because you have three more people's turns before yours, being able to hold stuff back, even if you're only casting at your opponent's end step, so you immediately get to do stuff with them, is so huge. I think my favorite trick I do with it, because casual, is... Mm-hmm. I like if I've got either like a flesh bag in my graveyard or you know a plague crafter in my hand oh. one of those two or maybe <laughs> both um I won't cast them I'll hold them yeah when I've got that spell and I'll let the Voltron player do whatever they're gonna do mm-hmm. and I basically don't kill their commander until I know it's coming at me <laughs> And then surprise, no, I don't have a blocker for your 25-25 flyer, unblockable, but you have to sacrifice it, so I'm safe. Mm-hmm. It, it gets you those instant speed ETBs on people's combat, and you can do it after you know they're attacking you. It's just so much value-packed. Like, 
it's insane. I I mean, I've played it to do stuff like reanimate Razaketh from my graveyard and Grave Titan from my hand, two to three cards, you know. Right? <laughs> so it's a really good what-the-fuck moment. Because once you figure out how it works, it's so much more fun. Mm-hmm. When you look at it at first glance, you're like, oh, only during combat. But once you put it into use, it's like, oh, I only need to do it during combat. So it turns out really good if you plan for it. It's definitely yeah. a secret plan. <laughs> it's one of those cards uh, you need to be able to make work for it to be good. And it's good, and you know, like your card, um, Word of Command, it kind of leads to the next idea I had of things for us to talk about. Uh, uh, do you have any pet cards that you play all the time? I play all the time. We already mentioned them. It's it's my favorite dwarf boy, Balthor the Defiled. <laughs> he was my first like real commander deck. He's <laughs> uh, let me explain him. He's two in black black, so four mana for a legendary dwarf zombie. Um, he's a two two. All minions get plus one plus one, so all like forty minion cards, you're good to make that tribal deck. But um, uh, you can pay black 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 and exile him, um, and each player returns all red and black creatures from their graveyard to the battlefield. Not to your battlefield is something to keep note of. So if you're playing against another reanimator deck, you need to be careful with it. But it's just or don't. Yeah, or t- or just like s- say you know what I'm sure I got this. Um, but it's a card oh, you can don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can just rip it and dip it. I wouldn't recommend it. I think it's one of those <laughs> cards you need to be smart with, especially because your ETBs resolve last. Um, mm-hmm. So, if you just are going to win with a Gary, there's a chance that maybe somebody else has a Gary and they win with it before you. Um, but it's huge. It's It's like a living death in your command zone. Um, it's color-specific, though, so if you're playing against a uh, green-blue deck, which, you know, I, high likelihood you're playing against a green-blue deck nowadays, um, you it just doesn't do anything for them. Um, it allows you to... It can be in your command zone. It can be in your deck. Like, if you cast... If it's in your deck and you put it in your graveyard through self-mill, you can pay basically four mana with reanimate and reanimate your entire yard instead. It's just, oh, I love it. It's a, You can play a build around, you can just put it in a reanimator deck. It's so cool. Yeah, and I think my pet card I play a lot of mm-hmm. is Living Death. Living Death, yeah. Very much along the same lines as Balthor, in <laughs> a way. Um, great card, but you need to be smart. Plan for it. Because what it does is three and two black sorcery, um, exile all creatures from all graveyards, then sack then in that order. Uh, you sacrifice all creatures in play. Then you put into play all creatures that were exiled with this card. Now that happens for each individual player. So I I follow those steps for my creatures at the same time. Brian would hand do his at the same time, so on, so on. But much like Balthor, you have to be careful because your death triggers and your ETBs will resolve 
last. Yep. So, but it is such a fun card because you can eliminate an oppressive board state while basically flipping the table and saying suddenly these two people who were down and out now have a really great board state and they're your friend. So you can be political with it while fucking the person who was trying to kill you. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I've used it as just a board wipe sometimes, you know? Somebody has a really impressive <laughs> board state and you look at their graveyard and even if they have good stuff in your graveyard, maybe it's not that much better. I mean, maybe it's not nearly as bad. You know, you can just wipe the board with it, get a new board in play. Um, it's just, I feel like it. Uh, it's one of those cards that if I'm in a bad spot, you know, and I'm tutoring, I can always give that card, like, a chance. I can look at it and look at my graveyard, look at the table, see if I want it. Maybe I pass over it, maybe I take it, but definitely, like, it's one of those cards that, like, I find myself often really hoping I top deck. Yeah, because it's just... It eliminates problems because sacrifice instead of destroy, and mm -hmm. it can potentially get you a good board state back. Like, you can plan for it. Plus... You're a reanimator player, so works for you. I'm a death trigger kind of player, so that's how it works for me. Yeah, and that's a good point. It, it works for both. You know, if you're playing Tasa Karlov, you know, you get those death triggers. She sees all of them because they die at the same time. And, and then Conrad. you get like a, <clears throat> and Conrad. Yeah, I always forget about him. He's so he's so good for uncommon. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely just. It has a couple of weak of uh, good points, and it has a couple of weak points. And if you play it smart, you, it, it really is an expressive card. If you play it properly, um, you can eliminate its weak side, and if you play it poorly, you can exaggerate it. So, you know. It's not like a card you can just slot in, into every deck, but, you know, with a little bit of support, you can feel good about having it in, in every deck. every black deck you know. <laughs> yeah definitely um, but there's cards like that for every color it's like there's some cards that can be played in every color that's mm -hmm. their specific color that can be played in the, any deck for them but a lot of people don't get to use that really cool stuff because they're limiting themselves to competitive so when you start playing casual you get to bring out that really cool stuff in your colors that you want to play mm -hmm. like and commanders that just don't seem viable like Fane Fane hey. yeah and do really cool janky shit with them you know that's a real benefit mm -hmm. um so I just was kind of wondering um what do you think is something that uh our league does especially well that I think that you think uh, other people or maybe um, greatly benefits towards it because we've already really covered the format of it but I think mm -hmm. uh, you know we also there's like the kinds of players we see and then there's the uh, what's it called the history of it I think are two things is there like any like standout moments in the league that you think led to it being a lot better of a place to play at oh uh, well, there's besides the uh, the not being tournament format. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, there's a great benefit to being able to show up whenever you want. 
because that means it fits almost everyone's schedule. We yep. have so many players that we play, we fire off twice a week. Um, not having to win to still get prizes. That's yeah. That was actually going to be my one. That's. Do you, do you kind of want to explain the prize support uh, structure for League? Because we do have prizes, and technically winning helps you get them, but it's, you know, I'll just let you explain. Right. So, I'll start at the bottom of this explanation of how it starts, and I'll end with the tip of the pyramid of how our prize system works. So, when you go in, you pay five bucks to play League. Boom. You choose pack or credit. You either get a pack of the most recent set, or you get store credit worth that same price as that pack towards your account. Not every store is going to do the store credit, but you know, you get it. Now that also gets you a ticket that automatically gets put into a bucket uh, with your name on it that it goes in. Now if you win a game during that night, uh, you get an, you get your name on the ticket and it goes in. Uh, if you play like a certain thematic that they're promoting or a game type, you get another ticket. Whether you win or lose, you get that one. So mm -hmm. just going in, playing, even if you don't play a thematic and you don't win a game, you still get entered into our bucket to win stuff. Yep. And you already got your pack store credit. So pack or store credit. So two bucks, you're entered in our nightly raffle. All right, so what happens if you don't get pulled in the raffle? Your ticket stays in the big bucket. The big bucket happens at the end of a quarter. And all the profit that we get off, that the store gets off of everything during that quarter goes towards getting really cool stuff mm -hmm. to put in a big drawing. And that's like in the end, you could come for two, for once a week for 10 weeks not win a single game you basically you've only lost 20 bucks because you've gotten 10 packs that are worth three bucks to start with we're not going to talk about the value of what the cards are inside because rng but you've still got 10 tickets in the big drawing which obviously if you're having a hard time winning you might just have some bad luck but that luck may turn around and net you a Shockland mm -hmm. or a starter, a, a commander precon or or whatever has been selected and put into the prize pool. Now, yeah. obviously, they don't put a lot of stuff in there that's like only worth $5, you know, but it's like it's all based on how many people have been attending and that percentage of the profit that goes towards us. Because the store puts back into the player base yeah. half of what they get. So, whereas and, you spend $5 to get in, $1 is going towards the prize support for the night, and $1 goes, goes towards the prize support for the quarter. Mm -hmm. And what I think So, of... all of it goes back towards us because we're spending so much money at the store. And you could even just consider it as. 50 cents goes towards the nightly and 50 cents goes towards the quarterly for each player. Mm -hmm. Even then the store makes a dollar. The players make a dollar. 
Yeah, I don't I don't know about the exact distribution of it. Uh, yeah, that's that's a random variable, but you get my point. But it, it's definitely good. I think what's the prizes leading towards expensive cards that it might be hard for a player to justify purchasing, but are really good. Uh, for example, last quarter I was lucky enough to win two prizes. Actually, I won Helm of the Host and Smothering Tithe. Two of the Smothering Tithe. You're playing a white deck and casual commander. I don't know what CDH playability. I haven't really played much since it came out. You put you put it in there. You just put it in there. Uh, Helm of the Host. So it works in so many decks. Just a really versatile card. And it's cards like that we see, you know. Um, and that's the other thing, is mm -hmm. that the way our store pushes the casual, uh, people are buying a lot of cards that would normally never get bought. Like, in CDH, cards that would never see play. They're yeah. just either inefficient or they are not along competitive play lines. They're not played in Modern or Legacy or whatever. Uh, but they're played in Casual Commander. So the store is making massive profit off of random shit that no one would buy before otherwise. Mm -hmm. And it's like, like tribal scarecrows. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so nice having, uh, cause our store is ABU games. Um, and they're a pretty big online retailer and it's really convenient to have that huge stock of cards just right there. You know, uh, a thing that's happened to me while I'm here in Vegas, you know, is it's like there's been cards that have been hard for me to find while I'm at my store. And, you know, I, I understand that because really their only way of getting cards is through people selling them to them. Whereas ABU, a new set comes out, and this out used to be, I have no idea if it's still like this, and they would just, the employees would just be up there cracking packs, sorting them to get an inventory going to sell cards. And it, it's just like, oh, that card's cool. Let me go over to the computer, place an order, buy it, put it in my deck, have it for the next round. It really makes for that environment of, like, if you see a card you like, you can just get it, which I think is awesome. All right. Um, well, we got a couple minutes left of what our planned time frame was. So what do you <laughs> think is a big benefit of the league? Like, what makes it work for you? Off the top of your head. For Even me? If and if, if I did really steal the only one you could think of, no. I have another one. No, I, I definitely... There, there's plenty of them. That was the biggest one. I think a big benefit of the league, personally, um, is just the player's um, ability to experiment, you know? I feel like coming to league, we have these monthly themes, and those... I guess monthly the monthly theme is the reason I'm going to use, so I think that would be a better way to format it. Um... Each month we have a theme format, which is like this custom format with new rules. Um, and then for the month, you get an extra ticket for playing that format. They try to get you at least into one game with that format if you have it circled that you want to try it out. Um, and then, after that one month of that format, the net, the other three months of the quarter, so one, the first month of the quarter, quarter is a new format, the next three months is a deck challenge. Uh, one month it was $50 except for your lands and commander. Um, or no, commander included except for your lands. Um, currently right now it's you get two commanders with like partner roles, but they have to be the same commanders like Dramoka the Eternal and Dragonlord Dramoka, Balthor the Defiled and Balthor the Stout. Even though they're not the same colors, you become a red-black deck if you're doing Balthor the Defiled and Balthor the Stout. Um, 
which is just like a thematic cool format for people to express themselves, play, maybe play cards they really like. Uh, I have a friend named Austin, and she's build, uh, she has a blind seer deck. Um, I don't know if she's been going to League as of late, lately because of uh, work stuff, but she could do blind seer and then just throw new Urza in that command zone because little hint about the blind seer if you're not a big uh, book fan is it's secretly Urza in disguise. But yeah, stuff like that. Uh, and then you, you, uh, you're actually here for, unlike me, you're actually there for the uh, format. You built uh, Chainer Chainer, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> I also built Obnixilus Obnixilus. That's right. <laughs> you did uh, Obnixilus, the, uh, com- the Commander Planeswalker, and Obnixilus, the No Tutoring? Uh, yeah. Ah, so cool. <clears throat> Just because I like I like making people pay, <laughs> you know. If you're gonna get advantage, you know, you gotta pay for it. Don't get too much value. Oh, you want to search for a land? Here, pay ten life. Oh, here, scheming symmetry. Search for something. <laughs> so it's so brutal that anti tutor list doesn't get played enough. It's so it's good, not though. anti. It's just taxes. <laughs> just a quarter of your life. That's so like even. He's obviously not playable in CDH to his mana cost, but even if like if you snuck him into play, you know, um, so good, you know, because if somebody's gonna go tutor for their ad nauseum and you make them pay ten life, that's a lot less cards they can get off at ad nauseum. Yeah, I also play the uh, the hate twisted Omnixilus in the deck, so every time they draw cards, they take damage. But I'm also playing things like. Uh, the other enchantments like underworld dreams where if you draw you take damage and opposition mm-hmm. agent if you tutor I, instead i'm gonna tutor you're gonna pay the life but i'm gonna get your card <laughs> <laughs> that's so brutal that's oh i couldn't imagine me like all right i'll take the 10 life to go tutor removal spell for this obnix list demonic tutor response opposition agent <laughs> oh that'd be yep. ho- devastating Meanwhile, I'm just going to go take your counter spell so I can protect my Obnixilus. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. That'd be heartbreaking. But, yeah. Um, we're coming up on the hour mark here. Oh, yeah. We're kind of past it, but also I needed to edit stuff out, and there was a short break in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess, last thing is um, we're going to go to our cleanup step. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh what kind of plans do you have for the week after this? Uh, for the week after this? Well, I know it's not magic related, but this Friday, Saturday, Sunday is the biggest Warhammer event in the United States. It's happening here in Vegas, so I'm really jazzed to go to that. But, uh, oh yeah, that's, you're going to be seeing a whole lot of fantasy and 40k, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Age of Sigmar, uh, I think, has been doing better. People were really bummed about it. I, I, I'm really new to Warhammer in general. People were really bummed when it uh, changed from Warhammer Fantasy to Age of Sigmar, but I think it's kind of getting into its stride now. Uh, um, so I guess an important question on that is, is are your minis painted? <laughs> no, my minis, my minis are not painted. My, uh, okay, cool. You're, you're, you're a standard Warhammer player. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm so new to it. I, I, I think I have like four painted Necron Warriors. and then all. If my there was stuff. someone subscribed that played Warhammer, I think we just lost them right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get them back when the Warhammer Commander decks come out. 
True. I'm so excited for this. I hope they do Sigmar. I hope they do the Age of Sigmar because I want to play a fucking Tomb King commander. I'm like legit. I'm I'm sad to say I'm pretty sure it's 40k for the commander decks, which makes no sense. But anyway, um, (laughs) fine, fine. I'll play a Space Wolf or a Necron. Okay, I'll submit. Give me a Tyranid Sliver deck. Let's go. That would be so cool. The next secret layer. <laughs> right? At Tyranid yeah. Slivers and and Necron uh Aserac. <laughs> Ask Ascrack, however you say his name. God. He's Aserac is oh so brutal. He's so dumb. He's so yeah. basic. Like, just get mana and go. Just like no, that's that's his whole deck. You don't even need mana. You don't need anything else in your deck besides mana generation to cast him over and fucking over again. Get yourself a Heartless Summonings? He costs one black mana? Just go? <laughs> yeah. Heartless Summonings, Carnival of Souls. Yep. Go. Oh, he's so gross. Not, not, even, not even Carnival of Souls. Um, like, just anything that gets you another mana. Mm-hmm. And he costs you one black. You know what? You can combo it with a uh, freaking that artifact I play, what's what's it called? Uh, you pay three anytime someone casts a black spell and you can untap target permanent. And just tap, untap your Cabal Coffers. Play <laughs> Acerac for one. Oh, God. Tap your Cabal Coffers. Untap your Cabal Coffers. do 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 And so you're good. So what are, um, you, what are you uh, looking forward to this, this upcoming week? Because we're recording this uh, on Sunday, I, I think we should mention. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're recording on Sunday. We plan on recording mostly on Sundays, mm-hmm. but obviously, life happens and sometimes things change. Um, <laughs> sometimes things so go this week, uh, this week for me is mm-hmm. I'm going to obviously Wednesday. Uh, I'm going to play some Commander. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to test out a little bit more of my Yogmoth. Uh, hope not to spread too much salt, and <laughs> also playing my uh rue black cube um so i can shift between playing giving my i need to give fane a test run i need to see if i can actually kill people with food tokens and Mm -hmm. uh i want to play some more of my obnixilis obnoxious deck obnoxious the the risen (laughs) yep (laughs) and friday playing some pathfinder uh specifically pathfinder 2 we're playing agents of edgewatch uh very hard to get a good group for a game uh, because of the connotations that happened in situations a couple years ago and still recently, actually. Um, Ooh. And then Saturday, I'm going getting to start back up running my Starfinder campaign for oh. Horizons of the Vast that I've had to let so go cool. of. Oh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mm, like... Yeah, there's some rules that's janky and stuff, but, you know, you only really have to worry about the weird rules when you're playing society. If you want to play cool sci-fi and you have a GM who isn't a freaking rules Nazi, like me, um, (laughs) Starfinder's the sci-fi way to go. It's it's Star Wars without Jedi, but still with Mm -hmm. Jedi, in a way. Um, So you can play with lightsabers. You can play with big blasters. You can fly a spaceship. You can kill aliens. You can befriend aliens. You can be the fucking alien. You know? 
I'm about killing uh, killing humans. My, oh, and uh, undead in space. Ooh, that's cool. Good old dead space. But sentient. Oh, even better. One of the one of the, one of the best characters in their meta plots is called Zoe, and he's a TV announcer, like <laughs> game show host, undead. I think my now, uh, my now, granted his shows are very very deadly to be on, but yeah. I think my Pathfinder character is about three years of pure crafting away from turning my DM's campaign into Starfinder. Up, <laughs> <laughs> oh, game over. We're done with this shit. <laughs> All right, everybody, uh, transfer your character sheets over. <laughs> yep. Speaking of transferring over, we've hit the mark, and we are transferring to the end. We are done with the end step. Mm-hmm. So, you guys have a great week. Um, not sure when this is actually going to get published, so the next episode might actually happen a couple days after you get this one. Who knows? Yeah. If you're listening. Or you might be watching, listening to this three months later after we do it. Who knows? <laughs> but this is uh, end of round one for us, and uh, well, any yeah. other last closing statements you got? Yeah, stay safe out there, uh, you know? Definitely. Uh, Shit's wild. He- health and wellness, fen- mentally and physically, are utmost importance. Uh, going and playing a couple games of magic is not as important as risking yourself and your friends. Um, whether or not you choose to be vaccinated, just be considerate that other people are suffering, whether they are or aren't. Mm-hmm. So the risk is still out there. Be good. Be good to others and yourself. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da